Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. My name's Will, and today I have a model of the hand and the wrist. So let's have a chat about the anatomy of the carpal bones and the bones of the hand. And I also want to show you how you can palpate these things on your own or on a patient's wrist. So why don't we start from a palmer view or an anterior view of the hand. Alright, so here we have our palmer view of the hand. And first, we can narrow down where the wrist joint might be by using these two wrist creases. This is the proximal wrist crease, and this lines up well with the styloid processes. The styloid processes of the ulna sits on the proximal wrist crease, and so does the styloid process of the radius, sits on that proximal wrist crease. And the distal wrist crease is really useful for palpating some bones like the pisiform bone, which is this carpal bone here. And also as you work our way across, the scaphoid tubercle, which is that one there. Before we jump into those carpal bones, in between these two wrist creases on the ulnar side is something called the triangular fibrocartilaginous complex. And this fills that space between the ulna and the lunate bone. And then also in this space, what we'll palpate a lot of are the muscle tendons as they travel into the hand from the forearm. So let's follow the distal wrist crease from that parsiform bone. And to feel parsiform, you pretty much follow the hypothenar eminence down, which is nice and squishy because it's muscle. And as you get to that uh, line, you'll feel it's nice and hard. That's the parsiform bone. Now the parsiform bone sits directly on top of triquetrum. So to feel triquetrum, you need to get underneath parsiform bone. And also the parsiform is useful because there's a muscle attaching into that bone. And that's flexor carpi ulnaris, which you can make out the tendon of just through there with a bit of wrist flexion and ulnar deviation. Just radial to the flexor carpi ulnaris tendon is going to be the ulnar artery and the ulnar nerve. So they'll be traveling down this way into the hand and where the ulnar nerve travels is actually in between the space between the pisiform bone and this hook of hamate. So this is that hook of hamate and you can see the hamate bone just uh, beneath that. It's quite a large bone. And to palpate the hook of hamate, you start at parsiform, you go a little bit distal and a little bit radial, and then you need to feel quite firmly through the muscles of the hypothenar eminence. And that's the hook of hamate. Now, I was mentioning that ulnar nerve because it travels through this space between the parsiform and the hamate, or the hook of hamate, and that's called Guillon's canal. So if you push over that spot just there, you can sometimes get pins and needles into the fifth and the fourth fingers because that ulnar nerve provides sensation to these two fingers. So coming just laterally from the parsiform bone along that distal wrist crease, the next thing that stands out is the tendon of palmaris longus and that's this thin slender tendon here. This attaches into that palmar aponeurosis and sits superficial to the other flexors that travel through the carpal tunnel being flexor digitorum superficialis and profundus and flexor pollicis longus along with the median nerve. Just lateral to palmaris longus is the tendon of 
flexa carpi radialis. This doesn't go through that carpal tunnel and you can use this tendon conveniently along with that distal wrist crease where those two things um, cross each other is where the scaphoid tubercle is. So the scaphoid bone is this carpal bone here. Remember parsiform, triquetrum, lunate and scaphoid. The scaphoid tubercle is quite prominent, easy to palpate um, and tender if someone has a fracture there. Now that's flexocarpi radialis tendon will go to insert into the second and third metacarpal bases. Um, but in order to get there, what it has to do is go past this trapezial ridge. So this is the trapezium bone, which sits closest to the metacarpal of the thumb. And this trapezial ridge here has a little space for the flexocarpi radialis tendon. So in palpating that scaphoid tubercle, if you go a bit more distal and a bit more radial, pushing nice and firm through the thena eminence, you can feel that's the trapezium. And then the last two bones of the carpal, of the carpal group are the tra trapezoid and the capitate bones. Now, these are difficult to palpate because they're quite deep um, and covered over by a lot of other things, such as the flexor tendons through the carpal tunnel. Um, but these bones, the trapezoid articulates with the second metacarpal and the capitate articulates with the third and the fourth metacarpal bones. Okay, so from the lateral view, the things that we can see from a bony point of view, here's the radius, there's the radial styloid process. If you palpate within that anatomical snuff box, you can palpate the scaphoid bone. Just distal to that is the trapezium, and then here's the first metacarpal. Now from a surface anatomy point of view, when you add some muscle tendons in there, if you give a big thumbs up, thumb extension, and then you can see the tendons of extensor, pollicis, brevis, and longus. So to show you where those tendons are, here's extensor pollicis longus, and extensor pollicis brevis is just a bit more uh, anterior than that. And with extensor pollicis brevis will be the abductor pollicis longus muscle um, which goes to abduct the thumb in this direction here. But you can see in between the extensor tendons of the thumb, there's this little depression. That's the anatomical snuff box. And within that space, you can palpate the scaphoid bone. Also traveling through the anatomical snuff box here is the radial artery. So this is a part where you might be able to feel the radial pulse in the anatomical snuff box. The other side where you might feel the radial pulse is going to be just lateral to the flexocarpi radialis tendon. Just through there is where you'll feel the radial pulse. Okay, so let's finish up with a dorsal view of the wrist and the hand. We can see um, this is now the radial side through here. Here's the radius, there's the ulna. Radius and the ulna. And one of the prominent features of the ulna here is the ulna styloid process usually is quite prominent from the dorsal view. We had a look at the anatomical snuff box in this location, and I just want you to extend your thumb again to find that extensor pollicis longus tendon, because what we can use this tendon for is to find something called the dorsal tubercle of the radius. And this is also called Lister's tubercle. So you follow that tendon back until you get to this bony point on the radius. 
that's Lister's tubercle. Now, depending on the position of the hand, distal to the Lister's tubercle, what you will feel is there's a bit of a depression. And in that depression is going to be the scaphoid bone and sometimes that scapholunate interval between those two bones. You might also feel the tendons of extensor digitorum, which will go to the second through fifth digits. That's the, the tendons of extensor digitorum. Now, lastly, the other carpal bones that you can palpate here, if you're on that space over the top of that scapholunate interval and you go just a bit more ulnar and you flex the wrist like this, what you will feel is the lunate bone as it pushes against your finger as you move into flexion. If you go distal to the lunate bone, you feel there's a bit of a ridge. Distal to the lunate bone, you feel the ridge of the capitate bone here, capitate bone, which lines up with the third metacarpal. So lastly, guys, let's flip back over, have a look at the palmar side. What we need to go through are the five metacarpals. One is on the thumb side, two, three, four, and five is the little finger. Now you can also see there's a crease between the metacarpal and the proximal phalanx. Proximal phalanges are through here of each digit. This is the metacarpophalangeal crease, which overlies the metacarpophalangeal joints. And then on the thumb, we only have two phalanges, a proximal and a distal. So we only have one interphalangeal crease and joint of the thumb. Um, but of the other digits, two through to five, you get two different interphalangeal joint creases because we have an extra middle phalanx on these fingers and here's the tiny little distal phalanx on those. So there you go guys, I hope you learned something about the bones of the wrist and the bones of the hand and remember to practice those palpation points on yourself, try it out on a friend and I hope you learned something from today's video. We'll see you in the next one.